Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. Wonderful. Good morning. Good morning. Obviously, it's Mother's Day. It was uh, May 10th, 1908, when Anna Jarvis celebrated the first Mother's Day. She was doing it for her mother, and she was doing it every year. And eventually, after some time, it became the second Sunday of May every year, the national um, celebration of mothers. And so that's what we're doing today. And for many mothers, this is just a wonderful day because, you know, I almost came dressed in my, like a robe and some flippers, uh, some of you know, my just casual, right? Because we can get away with it. Us moms, we can just like, ah, relax today. Um, and just, we get to celebrate our moms. Uh, it's not exactly a, a happy moment for everyone though, right? Because there's some in our midst who perhaps haven't had children, haven't been able to have children or have had a painful experience with motherhood, either from their mothers or with their children. And so today we want to celebrate and we want to embrace, right? We want to care for uh, all mothers and, and those fathers who, are, who become, you know, the mother figure for their children as well, whether there's uh, adoption involved, foster care, you name it. So this is a day to celebrate motherhood and what it entails. So as we begin... Uh, I want to remind us it's an important thing for us to do because Scripture calls us to do that. In Exodus chapter 20, one of the commandments says, Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. It's the one command which comes with a promise and a blessing. Uh, so honoring our parents, it's obviously really good for us. Uh, and in Proverbs 31, it says, Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. So we're just going to take a moment and honor and bless moms. And so um, you, you can just stay seated. But if you're a mom, this is for you. Uh, and so let's just, let me just pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for this uh, beautiful day. Yeah, it's gloomy out there, but it's beautiful because moms are beautiful. Truly, Lord, we want to take a time to celebrate all that moms do. Uh, the way in which they nurture children, uh, the the compassionate heart of a mother, the sacrificial, the fierceness of a mother towards her children. Don't ever get in the way of a mother uh, and her children. And Lord, we know uh, that it requires a great deal of self-sacrifice and a great deal of uh, putting yourself second so that your children can go forward. So today I pray that mothers, our mothers who are here in our midst would feel blessed and cared and loved by you. And it doesn't matter what kind of mom they are, whether they're biological, whether they're stepmoms, adopted, foster moms, uh, and if they're foster dads here, if there's, you know, Mr. Moms here as well, Father, I pray that you would bless them as well. Lord, I pray for those in the room who may have a painful day today. They barely made it here today, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would comfort them you would remind them that no matter their circumstances, you love them beyond measure and that you've never left them, oh God. 
So whatever it is that might be aching their heart, whether it's the loss of a mother, a difficult relationship with a mother, the inability to have children, would you minister to their hearts today? May we focus our eyes on you, Lord Jesus, this morning, because the greatest love comes through you. And so, Jesus, I pray that it is your love that overwhelms our hearts this morning beyond anything else, that we might pour it upon others as we go. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, so at the mother's heart, at every mother's heart, it is definitely in my heart, we want our children to have a good sense of identity, of who they are. Like, really, it doesn't matter whether you're a mom or a dad, parents want to give our children a good sense of identity because every one of us is born with some very basic questions about who are we? Who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose? That's a common question we all ask. Maybe, maybe we don't ask it out loud, but in how we live out life, we're seeking answers to those questions. So as a parent, we want our child to have clarity on their identity. Because the identity, once we know our identity, it dictates where and how we live our lives. So for my children, this is what I want to tell them about their identity. I would go into the Bible and I would remind them that Psalm 139 says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And depending on how you feel today, you might go, yeah, I embrace that or mm, not so much. This morning when I was getting dressed, I must have tried on like 10 outfits. I was not feeling fearfully and wonderfully made. And whatever you might be going through, it's hard to accept those words, but that's what scripture says about you. That's what I would want you to know. Ephesians 2 says this, you are God's handiwork. In some places it's workmanship, but you're God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good work. God, in his most creative genius, has created you uniquely to be you. There is no other you in the world. You know, scientists have found that our DNA is what identifies us as individuals. And while we may share 99% of the same genetic makeup as another person around the world, there's still that 1% that is not the same. And they might say to you all, the reason for that is that some genes mutate and so you may have different mutations, and there are actually mistakes in the DNA that makes you different. Well, I totally disagree. Because, you know, God has a way of doing things that uh, look to us in one way as humans, but I think that was God's way of reminding us every single one of us is unique. Even uh, identical twins who may even share most of their DNA are the same, are different when you look at their DNA. We know about the fingerprint, right? Our fingerprint also is very individual to each one of us. Why? Because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. There's only one you. And your identity and your sense of identity drives how it is that you live your life. You see, God does not make junk. Let me say that again. God does not make junk. Yes. Thank you, brother. I think that needs to sink in our hearts. The reality that our God, our creator, makes only beautiful, perfect things. 
That is who he is. He does not make junk. You are not junk. You are you for a purpose. You matter. You are a masterpiece out of his creative genius. And there's only one you, and you must embrace that. And our culture struggles. We all struggle with our identity, don't we? To one extent or another, we struggle with who we are and how it is that we are to live life. And this is highly demonstrated with the current uh, popular music that's going on. Anybody seen The Greatest Showman, the movie The Greatest Showman? All right, so it has a lot of songs that have become quite popular. One of them is a song called This Is Me. If you haven't seen the movie, you've probably heard the song, This Is Me. And this song stood at the top of albums for 11 weeks, which was a huge record. And the, and the song won the most original song. Why? Because this song is about the sense of identity. Who am I against the world who might speak against of who I am? And the sadness is that the song was written by the, the guys who wrote it. They were writing it for a person who felt poor by herself. In fact, the woman who sang it, her name is Kiala Settle. This is how she described herself. She said, although she had a lot of support in her family, she says, I have always been the biggest bully to myself. No one can bully me better than me. And she, when you hear her sing this song, she sings it with so much emotion. You can't help but cry. When I was in the theater, I mean, people just started bawling. Because it's true, isn't it? Aren't we, in some ways our biggest bullies, don't we tend to speak lies to over ourselves, to ourselves about who we are on a regular basis? How many times have you called yourself stupid or worthless or less than? I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of being loved. If people knew me, they would not like me. I'm not wanted. I'm a burden. I'm not beautiful. I'm not smart. These are things we tell ourselves again and again, and it erodes our heart, because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God looks to you differently. And what we're going to do this week is we're going we're to begin a series in the book of Ephesians, and we're going to study the book all the way through the end of July. And the thing about the letter of Ephesians written by Paul is that three chapters are about our identity, who we are and whose we are. And three chapters are about how we are to live because of that identity. So today, my goal is to begin this journey of us embracing who we are in Christ. And listen, it's going to be hard. I'm going to say some things that you might be fighting back because this is the reality. All of us have a hard time believing this to be true. When you give your life to Jesus, your identity is changed by God. When you say, yes, I'm going to trust Jesus with my life. I'm going to trust him to be my Lord and Savior. I'm going to put my life in his hands. I believe that he is who he said he is. When we do that, our identity is changed. And so we're going to see the beginning of Paul's letter. And hopefully by the end of this service, you're going to be convinced of who you are. All right? If not, hey, we got a long series to go. So hopefully somewhere in there, you're going to get it. All right? So here's, here's how it begins in verse uh, 1. It says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus, who are faithful followers of Jesus Christ. 
May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Paul starts this letter identifying the letter as a letter to believers in Ephesus. That's why the letter is called Ephesians. But when you look at a great deal of manuscripts, it actually doesn't say Ephesus. There's a blank, which I think is absolutely remarkable. It's the only letter that does that. And what they believe, scholars believe that Paul wrote this letter from prison to all the churches in Asia Minor. When they received the letter, the copy of the letter, it was their job to write down the name of the church. And so obviously they believed that Ephesus might have been one of the first ones to receive the letter. And so it was filled in to the believers, the God's holy people in Ephesus. Do you know what that means? It is the one letter written by Paul that we can confidently say was written to every believer for all time. Now, all of scripture is like that, but this one is very obvious. Paul is writing to you, to me. 2,000 years later, we're reading this letter and it belongs to us. And you know how he describes us as God's holy people. You, according to Paul, if you trust Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, you are God's holy people. And he says, you are faithful followers of Jesus Christ. You are God's holy people, and you are faithful followers of Jesus Christ. How many of you say, I feel very holy? Anybody feeling holy today? Right, I didn't think so. But by the end of the service, you will. You will. Because I'm going to explain what he was meaning by that. Paul says to them, he uses a word uh, which is translated holy, saints, It means to be set aside, to be pure, to be cleansed, to be blameless, blameless. You are God's blameless people. You are God's pure people. You are God's set aside people. You are God's saints. That's what Paul says about you. You're going, well, Paul obviously doesn't know me. (laughs) He doesn't know my story. He doesn't know my mind. He doesn't know what I've done. Well, He does, because Paul is speaking on behalf of God. Right as he begins this letter, he gives us his authority. He gives us two reasons for why we should believe what he's telling us. First, he says, I am an apostle. Now, apostle would have been a a person designated. It would have been an important position because they were people who knew Jesus, met the resurrected Jesus, and were being used by God to speak on behalf of God, to found the church. In fact, they are considered the founders of our faith. You remember the first 12, and then Judas betrayed Jesus. He was pulled aside. And then in Acts, we read that Judas was replaced. Later, Paul, who was once Saul, a Christian hater, a good Jewish guy who was a good rabbi and a a very important leader, was against Christians, but Jesus appeared to him and opened his eyes and called him to become a minister for Christ, speak on behalf of God. When Paul says to you and I, I am an apostle, what I have to say comes from God himself. You see, through Paul, God calls you. You are God's holy people. Paul is telling us that. Second thing he says, it is by the will of God. So Paul is not telling this just from Paul's perspective. 
It's not just like, hey, I, I think you're a holy person because, you know, that's me thinking about it. No, he's saying, by the will of God, I was chosen to speak to you on behalf of God. And God wants you to know you are God's holy people. Are you starting to believe it? Paul's authority is undeniable. He is speaking to you and to me something that most of us have a very difficult time embracing, that we could be seen as saints, as pure, as blameless, as set apart, that that's our identity because we know ourselves, we know our brokenness. But listen, in 2 Corinthians, it says this, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, already at work is God's intention to make you into a new creation, to transform your heart, to change the way you think, to change the way you behave, the way that you act, the things you do, the way you live life. Already at work, God is making you new. And in 2 Corinthians, that new is to make us more and more like his son, Jesus. It says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed, are being changed, are being developed into the image of his son with ever increasing glory. From glory to glory to glory, we are being made into God's holy people. You are God's holy people, his new creation. This goes beyond God making junk. He does not make junk. He makes beautiful things. He makes holy people. That's you and that's me. And I get it. You're like, that makes no sense, which is why we ought to think about whose are we? Paul begins the letter by telling us, may God our father, may God our father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. There is no way we can be or even see ourselves as God's holy people if we don't understand who we belong to. No, I have three children. Jim has two daughters. So together we have five. And for sure, my three kids, they cannot go around telling anybody uh, that I'm not their mother because I'm their mother. They, didn't get, they did not get to choose me, right? That's it. They're like forever Inez's kids. They could get mad at me and they've gotten mad at me once in a while. In fact, I had kids when they were little, I hate you, because I wouldn't buy them that candy. But they could not change the fact that I was their mother. Their identity is forever marked by the fact that I'm their mother. And the same thing goes with God. He is our father. He dictates our identity. It's not for you or for me to argue with the creator, the one who created us, our father. And he says, you are God's Holy Spirit. It only comes through grace. Because again, I'm sure that what you're thinking and the reason you're like pushing back at me going, well, I don't see myself too holy. I certainly don't see myself blameless and I don't see myself pure or as a saint. is because there's a part of you that knows your stuff. You know how you think. You know the things that you do. You know your rebellion. You know your brokenness. You think, how can I possibly ever be considered holy and blameless and graceful? I get it. I feel that way too. But it happens through 
grace. It is the grace of God, the undeserved merit of God, that he chooses to look at you and look at me, broken people, as pure, set aside, blameless, perfect, because what he sees in you and he sees in me is his son. When he looks to you, he smiles. Why? Because he sees the beauty, the perfection, the purity of his son already at work within you. You are God's holy people. That's how God sees you. And I know you're not convinced, I could tell. You're like, okay, whatever, Ines. I get it, I get it. Paul goes into this long rant. He starts the letter by saying, this is who you are. I'm going to put it out there, but I know what's going to happen. All of you are going to go, yeah, whatever. I don't think so. But then he goes into this rant, 213 Greek words, one after the other, and then a period. Now, if you were an English teacher, you would fail Paul right then and there. This is one of those long sentences in Scripture where Paul must have been like filled with a spirit. And he starts to tell the reader, you, me, this is who you are. You cannot fight this. This is how God has decided to look at you because of his love for you and his grace. If you embrace this, then you can live differently. You see, there are people in your lives who know you. They know that you, you, know, you, are, you say you're a Christian or that you go to church or that you read the Bible. And you know, they actually think of you as a little holy. They think of you as a saint. Because if they don't go to church at all, they're even afraid sometimes to curse around you. Anybody had that experience? That, you know, I've had my hairstylist. Every so often, she drops a bomb, and she'll go, I'm so sorry. Like, if I'm going to do something about that. People around you see what you and I don't see. People around you who know that you're a Christian, if you let them know that, already see you in the way you ought to see yourself. You are God's holy people. And then Paul goes through this long list of reasons why we must accept this. Because all of the truth about who we are is in this long, drawn-out letter. In your packet today, you got this nice little card. It says, I am a saint on one side. And my desire as you leave today, as you leave believing this, and mind you, if you're not a Christ follower, if you're sitting there going, yeah, well, that's really nice in this, but I don't really know much about Jesus. I don't know. I'm not sure about him. I don't trust him. Then you could walk out of here today a saint if you accept him today. All right? That's, yes, that's a good one. Because how many of us came in this morning? I'm going to church. I'm going to walk out a saint. That's the desire. And welcome, welcome. I know the worship center is probably getting full and people are coming in. There's seats up front. That's okay. I won't pick on you. I promise. All right, so we're going to look at this really long sentence, and I want you, perhaps if you have a pen or a pencil, to circle a few things that might be speaking to you. The world, and I believe it's not just the world, but you and I are constantly forgetting who we are in Christ. And these are words that are going to remind us of them. So I'm going to read it over you. We're going to talk about them, and then we're going to read them together and embrace our identity. Listen to what it says. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ even before he made the world. 
God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He, so richly in, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave us our sins. He has showered us, his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything on heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God where he chose us in advance and he makes everything work according to his plan, giving you the Holy Spirit, God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. I know you saw some periods on there. They're not in the Greek. No periods at all. One big, long sentence. Somewhere in there, I hope you heard something that speaks to your heart. But let me go through that real quick. The first, it's actually divided in the same way the Trinity is divided. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The first three verses tell us about the Father who gives us our identity. In verse 4, it says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us to be holy and without fault. Even before the beginning of the world, think about that for a second. You were chosen. You were loved to be holy and blameless. That's how you were created. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are God's masterpiece. He designed you to be holy and blameless. He chose you. The next verse, it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. It was God's choice to bring us into his family, to make us co-heirs with Jesus Christ. In scripture, we see God first showing favor to Abraham, making him a father of many descendants. Then he favored a nation, Israel, making them a blessing to the world. But then he opened it up through Jesus to everyone, every single man and woman that would accept Jesus Christ is adopted, belongs to God's family. Why? Because it gives God pleasure. It gives him pleasure to invite you to be his holy, holy one. And then it goes on to verse six where it says, so we praise God for his glorious grace because it's only by the grace of God that our identity is what he tells us it is. It is the father who says, you are my holy people. The father decides that. You are my adopted children. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. You are now freed by Jesus Christ. And then it shifts to the son. In verse 7, he says, he is so rich in kindness and grace, he purchased our freedom through the blood of his son. God gave his one and only son 
that whoever believes in him has eternal life. It is the son that brings in this salvation to us, who gives us this new identity. And then in verse 8, it says, He has showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. He's revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ. The Son now is the one who fulfills the good plan of God to make you and I the identity that Paul gives us today. You have been given insight into God's heart and wisdom and understanding. Though you and I may not get it when we are called saints or holy, God does. And it's because he's always created us with that in mind. And then it says in verse 11 and 12, we are united in Christ. We are now one with Christ. Jesus prayed that we would be one with him as he is one with the Father. And it is through Jesus that we can become more and more set aside, more blameless, more pure each and every day. And if any of us arrive, no. I might tell you today because I'm emboldened by God's word, I'm a saint, but I say so with trembling knees because I know my heart. I know that I'm not a perfect person, that I have a long way to go. But each and every day, Jesus is making me more and more like him. And then the last two verses is in verse 13 and 14 are all about the power of the spirit. How is it possible? How is it possible that you and I could be made into saints knowing what we know about ourselves only through the power of the Holy Spirit? And verse 13 says, now you Gentiles also have heard the truth. The good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. The pro and he promised it long ago. And then in verse 14, the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised. God guarantees you are God's holy people. You are blameless. You are pure. You are set aside. He does that through the power of the Holy Spirit. God has a plan. He wants to use you and my, me, but he can only use us when we embrace the identity he's been given us. You know, when I became a mom, there was no manual. Anybody seen a manual for moms? Because I want one of those. There was no manual. Instantly, I had a child. I was called a mom. Shoot, I was being called a mom when I was pregnant. People already go, oh, you're a mom. Even though I wasn't a mom, I had no clue how I was going to be a mom. But it was really by embracing that identity that I became the mom to my children. See, by embracing your identity in Christ, through the power of the Spirit, you are becoming, not that you will become, you are already becoming more and more of who you were designed to be. God makes no junk. God created you to be holy and blameless in his sight. And he's done everything necessary for that to be truth. You are a saint. Do you believe this? Sort of. You know how it ends. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. Paul says, I cannot boast on anything but on Jesus Christ. I cannot boast. So it's not on us when we say, yes, I am a saint. I'm not saying I'm a saint because I've accomplished it. I'm not saying I'm a saint because 
I'm Catholic or something. You, know, you don't have to die and do a miracle to become a saint. Scripture is saying you are a saint because God says so. Because God made it so. Because God made it happen. So when you walk out of these doors today and you tell someone, hey, I'm a saint. Do you have the bravery to do so? The next thing you should say, by God's grace, by God's kindness, by God's love, not by my own doing. I'm going to tell you something. There is no way I could ever become a saint on my own. But I am because God calls me a saint. God calls me holy. God calls me blameless, even though I'm not even though I'm still learning, even though I'm still growing. But I'm going to embrace the identity he's been giving me. Because if I don't, I am sheepening. I know that's my Spanish accent. <laughs> Not sheep. Cheapening. <laughs> Thank you for your grace. I am making cheap. <laughs> the cost of the cross. The fact that the son suffered the most awful death, the most shameful death. He paid the highest price. People spit on him. People rejected him. People murdered him. And he died what we deserved. So we could be called what he deserved. So see, you are a saint. You are holy. God says, we need to embrace that. So I'm going to ask you to stand up. As we respond to what God is telling us this morning, the stations here at the chapel, especially for those of you who are here this morning for the first time, there are way to let whatever the truth that God is telling us sink in. We get to walk around the building and do different things, and then we gather together again to worship. So we don't leave, we gather again. But during this time, we go to the confessional wall, the, the cross on the wall to confess our sins, not because there's judgment against us, but because grace has been given. Therefore, we cannot live life under the tyranny of sin. We can live in the freedom that Jesus has bought for us. We can give him our brokenness, our addictions, our, our habits, our challenges, and he reminds us that we are blameless and holy. We come and light a candle because what does light do? Light purifies. Jesus was the light of the world. He came to purify us, to make us clean, to wipe out our slate, our, our junk, our mess, and make us pure in the eyes of God. And now we get to be the light to the rest of the world. And so we light candles. And when we have the offering boxes where we're reminded that God is generous and all that we have, including our very breath, comes from him. And so when he calls us saints, he has the right to do so. And sometimes when we give from our money, which is one of those things we hold on to the most, we remind ourselves of our identity. We're God's children. And lastly, we take communion. Not lastly, firstly, maybe. Because here is where we're reminded the grace, the grace, the sacrifice that made you and I saints, you and I holy, you and I pure and blameless in the Father's eyes. He does not remember our sins. He does not hold them against us. 
He looks at us as he looks at his son. And we are indeed God's holy people. So as we close and before you respond in the stations, let's read this together. You have it on your bulletin. Now, this kind of probably going to get a little messy because it's a long sentence. And some of you read faster than others. Let it be a mess. Read this between you and God. Let God talk to you as you read it. And as soon as we're done reading, get up and respond. Go to any of the stations first as you feel led. Let's read this together. As pray, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms before we were united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all the wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan, giving you the Holy Spirit, God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Now read the other side. Say this about yourself. I am a saint. Say it again. Say it like you mean it. All right, go ahead and respond to what God is saying to you. Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and his work together. Thanks again. Thanks again.